Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. So, welcome. My name is Natalie Campbell, and I'm going to be your host. Me, badass, is a sensibility. It's how we think and feel about ourselves and how we put ourselves out in the world. And the reason we decided to do this was to get women thinking about our badassness, but also to have a different style of conversation. So I'm sure many of you go to events where there are women sitting up on a panel and they say, oh, you know, my journey was A, B, C, D, and that's it. And you leave and you feel inspired for a day or two and you go back to the usual routine. This is a different kind of conversation, which gets you thinking about your own life, but also gives you more of an insight into who we are, how we think, and what we think about the world. And I don't think women talk enough about their positions and what they think and feel about what's going on in society or because we're scared. Well, we don't feel that like we have enough an authority or a voice, but we do. So at the end, I will definitely invite you to share your opinions, your ideas. There's no such thing as a bad or, or wrong idea or opinion. Yeah, some good vulnerability, I think. Just being yeah, open, honest, but less use of the F word. Maybe I used the F word a lot last week. <laughs> I didn't notice that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I'm going to let the panel introduce themselves because one of the things people said last time was we didn't really get a sense of who they were. So, ladies, introduce yourselves, give us your, your best kind of elevator badass pitch, and then we're going to go straight to Emma for the first news item, the thing that's on her agenda this week. So, we'll start with you, Jen. Hello everyone, my name is Jen Nakiri. I'm a director, filmmaker and creative director, and that's me. Um, I'm from London, um, I went to law school first, um, that's my undergraduate degree, then I moved to the States where I went and did my master's in, my film, in film, um, and got my degree, my master's degree in film directing there. Um, recently did a film for Channel 4, I'm currently working on some branded content with Red Bull on music subcultures around. And um, do we say why we're a badass woman? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I'm just unapologetic um, on myself, and I like to lead with what's true to me. Um, and I think if you're true to yourself, I think that that in itself is a form of confidence and will take you wherever you need to go. Mm. So that's my form of badass <laughs> <laughs> That's a scary one to compete with. <laughs> so I'm Emma, I am the digital editor at Satyria. Um, my journey. Um, I, I don't know, I grew up in Bath. Um, I did media studies. My dad is still appalled about at um, Goldsmiths, and I pretty much went into journalism and have been doing that ever since. Um, uh, badass. 
guess, you know, every day I work in a room that's mainly men and I sit in editorial meetings with men and I argue a lot with men. I think <laughs> it takes a certain amount of badassery to be able to interrupt them. I think you have to shout louder if you're a woman and I think that makes you bad. Hi, my name is Alicia Miranda. Um, my journey started in Miami, where I was born, and brought me to uh, what is now the Slug and Lettuce around the corner. <laughs> it used to be a hogshead pub where I pulled clients when I was in grad school and spent a lot of really embarrassing nights in the basement of this place of sound, uh, but cleaned up my act more or less. And uh, yeah, I could tell you some stories about that. Um, we'll save that for later, I think. But um, yeah, so for my job, gosh, so my main job is that I work, uh, I lead a consultancy. We work in the social impact space. So we work on strategy with charities and then with companies and also philanthropists, wealthy individuals who want to give away their money, trying to get them to channel their money to a better place and raise money in a better way. Um, on the side, I'm launching an app. Our demo comes out next week, which is really exciting. And it's looking at um, the UK women's high street fashion stores and giving them a rating based on how much they share about the women and men who make our clothes. So um, that's happening. It's called Not My Style. And being a badass, I think being a badass means being a leader, but being able to do it your way. Um, I don't think you have to be an asshole to be badass. Um, I think that it is possible to be successful as a woman in leadership and be firm, but a nice person. Um, and until I'm proven wrong, I'm gonna keep believing this. So. Okay, okay. Um, I'm Zoe. Um, I am a strategy consultant, and that sounds really ambiguous. Um, but basically, I started off in the communications industry. Uh, didn't go to university, started when I was 18. Um, I've worked in Australia, I've worked in New York, and I've worked in London. Um, and at the moment, I'm currently trying to rebrand an entire country, uh, which is interesting. Um, and I'm also working with Google in Germany to help create uh, new teams and innovation to help them kind of take on culture within Germany and basically be well-liked over there. Um, and I think when it comes to being a badass, what I used to think, and I think in my youth, and especially coming up in communications, which is very male-heavy, um, is that you had to be a bitch and you had to kind of fight your way through and you have to compete with everyone else. And I think that hopefully I've got to a stage now um, in my old age um, <laughs> where my version of being a badass is just basically trying to lift women up around me as much as possible. Um, and especially when you're working in communications, I think you have a, a responsibility to make sure that there are more women uh, creating the work that then goes out into culture and actually starts to educate women and young girls on basically what success and happiness and beauty should look like. Are we doing intros? Okay, so uh, I'm Emma Sexton, I'm the founder of the design agency Make Your Words Work and also of the co-founder of Flock, which is a global creative network for entrepreneurs built on collaboration. And uh, my definition of badass, actually we had an interesting Twitter conversation today about yeah. badassness and someone kind of was like, I, I reject the badassness, which is, which is fine, but actually I was like, I really, really got me to take stock of badassness. So I'm thinking, but badassness isn't about acting male or masculine. For me, badass is about being really uncompromising and staying really true to your authentic self. That's badass for me. So I was in the loop on this. Um, let it roll for a little while. And the things that came to mind were, first of all, badass is gender neutral because we both have them. 
and the badass term. <laughs> but I, the badass term first sprung to mind based on superheroes. Anyone that knows me knows I love action movies to to a fault. Love them. Bad action so you, movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't think you. It doesn't matter how bad it is. I'm there. So my response to the kind of debate was, I appreciate women and how they feel about themselves, and I respect your opinion, but for me, badass is the mantle or the, the, the sort of title that I want for myself. Um, and I don't think we should knock other women when they choose a title or a name for themselves that makes them feel powerful. Not empowered per se, but powerful. So yeah, that was really interesting. But this is the badass women. <laughs> But to go straight in, controversial, show of hands, how did you vote? You can have to say, but it's We're locked in a room here. Like, <laughs> to be honest, you voted, you know, you stand behind the decision you made, that is, that is badass, regardless of, of the outcome. So, who voted to remain? Yes, we are in London. Um, so Emma, your news item this week is full Brexit. <laughs> so on Thursday night, I went to bed at 8pm. Um, and then at 1.30, I couldn't sleep because my phone kept buzzing, kept buzzing, would not stop buzzing. So I finally woke up, looked at my phone, and two areas had announced their knock constituencies. Um, Sunderland and Newcastle, and they both voted leave, and Twitter was freaking out. Well, yeah, so, so Sunderland voted to leave, Newcastle yeah. voted to remain, but by small margins, which yeah, okay. freaked everyone out. So basically, between Thursday night and Sunday night, I didn't really sleep. I just stayed awake. Um, I mean, David Cameron resigned. Jeremy Corbyn hasn't resigned, but I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> I mean, literally, if you looked at it from a really cynical point of view, this country has no leadership right now. So the article, or the, the news agenda item that I chose was, you know, who should leave Britain? Who's next? And should women be more involved? And should there be more balanced tickets? So yeah, discuss, guys. <laughs> but the actual article was about Theresa May. It was about Theresa May. So Theresa May is a, a you know a divisive character. She's, I mean, positive, great shoes. <laughs> um, <laughs> somebody told me I'm sexist. Was um, <laughs> a man? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> negative. You know, she's she's seen as taking a hard line. Somebody was saying that she was doodling guillotines on her notepad the other day, which is harsh, guys. Harsh. Um, she. George, Boris. Okay, so our, our options, do we go for a world where we have a woman as our Prime Minister who may or may not have a mandate to leave the country depending on whether or not she has a general election, but I'm going to say but she's a woman, so for me just there's a, there's a whole tick and, a, and something that I think she can bring to leadership. 
my personal opinion. Other people don't think that way. Or do we go with the potential of having a Boris? Yeah. Boris was probably, was I thought, a good mayor. But given what he's done, I'm confused as to how he even mm-hmm. managed sort of eight years and two terms. Boys club. Boys, boys club. Um, so what do you think? Woman, new democracy, pick someone else, because she is divisive. She, you know, is not known to back. No, she's not ideal. Boris isn't definitely isn't ideal. And, I mean, I want to. I want to see somebody with values. I. I'm, I definitely. My whole gender conversation is moving along, and I still don't. I'm still not convinced that just because you put a woman there, that things are going to be better. Mm-hmm. I still don't think gender is a. I, I'm definitely much more like. Can we just have somebody who is driven by something other than their ego, and, you know, yeah, win it. Like all these. So much of politics is about bickering and yeah. fighting, and mm-hmm. you know. And not like, yeah, one upmanship and all this like ego, like, it's just no place for it anymore. No place for it. So, are you saying women have less ego? And it no, I'm saying that gender's not a guarantee that you don't have ego and that you're not, that you're driven by values. And what I actually want is every single leader to be assessed <laughs> by 10 psychologists to make sure <laughs> they're not well, they the psychopaths. <laughs> and then they can be leader of the country. Sorry, is that utopia? Maybe that's utopia. <laughs> Yeah, so I, yeah. It doesn't have to be man or woman. Have some values. Be driven by something other than your ego. Elisa, you have Clinton, possibly. Mm. Yes, in the US. Hopefully. Who's also divisive? Are they divisive because they're women? Would they be as divisive if they were men? It's, ha- it's, hard, it's hard to say. My, um, my husband has been a big, uh, well, I wouldn't even say pro Bernie supporter in the primaries but definitely anti-Hillary mm-hmm. um and when I say it's because you're not a feminist you're like oh, how dare you of course I'm a feminist but um there's a lot of other issues with her the fact that she was married to a former president um the fact this email scandal which I don't know how much you all have been following but um you know she moved all her work emails to her personal server which is kind of a no-no um but she didn't want to carry multiple phones which I know she was the secretary of state but I can sympathize with that <laughs> um, so so, but but I am a big supporter of Hillary. Hillary stood up at the Beijing conference on women's rights now, what was it, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, and said women's rights are human rights. And by the way, no one had said that before. Mm-hmm. She, as the Secretary of State, she had been amazing in terms of promoting women's rights around the world. And yeah, I'm going to vote for her in large part because she's a woman, and I think we need a woman president. And I don't want to skip ahead to my news story, um, <laughs> but the theme of mine was about representation. It's not about having one woman at the top. The general rule is you need three, whether it's in a boardroom, whether it's in senior leadership of a country, you need three. Do you, if you, how come three? So the, the idea behind the theory is that if you have one, the rules don't change. So yeah. it's down to the person, but they're essentially operating with the same yeah, rules. Alone. Yeah. If you have two, and this predominantly works in kind of corporate boardroom theory, but I think it also translates to government. If you've got two, then the tendency is to pit them against each other, yeah. one woman on either side. But once you get to three, it's like the magic number. Girl gang. Exactly. <laughs> and you've got enough, enough of a cohort. And that's where the 30% rule for women in boards in this country has come from. And my story is about the Supreme, U.S. Supreme Court decision, which I'm sure we'll get to. But it's no surprise that it's made by a Supreme Court finally made up of three women. So um, I don't think it's just about Theresa May, although I'd pick her over Boris any day of the week. Yeah. Um, but I think it's about 
putting more women at the top, I do think representation is really important. Ladies, who would rather have a woman, whether it's Theresa May or um, Morgan, or as Morgan, as opposed to Boris or any other man? Or would you? So basically, I'm saying woman or man. Who goes for the woman? Who goes for the man? Who goes for? I'm going to make the decision based on who I think is the best for the job. Yeah. But if they were both equal, if they were both okay. equal, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 negotiating. <laughs> they just they just come with better negotiation yeah. skills, maybe less ego, like you said. So they're gonna be able. So let's move the personality aside. Both equal, woman on the ticket, man on the ticket. Going to the uh, polling booth. Who votes for the woman? Who votes for the man?
completely UK and then mm. the EU has had no say in that. Um, and uh, you know they're they're pushing that up now. So it's I don't know. I think our government has been really really strong on women. And mm. you know I'm I'm not a Cameron advocate at all, but he's done really well on, on the women's side. Um, paternity leave as well. I don't think it's fair to say that you know just because we leave the EU, we're not going to have a need to you know we're going to row back on women's rights. I yeah, I don't think we'll way back at all. I'm, I'm hoping we won't way back on certain things. I think that what she was putting across is the fact that if we want to continue to progress at the pace that the rest of the world is progressing, <coughs> and also to take learnings from other EU countries and precedents that are set on case law. When you say the rest of the world, stuff. what do you mean? No, I'm saying so generally, you guys are coming out, you're yeah. from the US, you come out in the US. In the US, there is no, there no, isn't, no, there isn't, there isn't, there isn't, there isn't even holiday. Yeah. So, are we not still ahead of? Yeah. I think we're definitely. Ahead. But I also think it's dangerous to compare your, ourselves to the worst rather than yeah, yeah, the that. best. And I think there are great examples in Europe that show us how maternity and paternity <coughs> care can be taken care of. Case in point, Norway. In case in point, um, but Sweden. Not I know, but Sweden yeah, is, Sweden. you know, and Sweden is mm. a great example of that. Um, so. I do definitely believe that at the end of the day, whether or not we, I mean, it is just written in law, right? Yes, I think your point is completely valid that yes, the UK did make strategic steps <coughs> towards getting us to where we are now. EU was that push. I think that's also, but I also think by leaving, whether or not we want to accept it or not, it's just my personal opinion. I think some aspects of that mindset will also leave with us as well. Um, and I do think that there will be change, but at the speed that change was coming because we are tied sometimes when you're in a group you're more accountable mm. than when you're alone okay. so if we <laughs> by being an island literally and figuratively now um <laughs> things are going to move at our pace now that could be quicker that could be slower <laughs> so i mean yeah brexit could be a really good excuse for not progressing it could be a really good excuse for not to not to bother with stuff. So I think we've got a job to do but to do keep you pushing think, it. Do you think, given the sentiment and how everyone feels at the moment, that they any political party could afford to not move the pace, or at least be perceived to be moving things forward at pace? Because <laughs> I, I feel we're on a sort of viva la revolution time. Yeah. I actually feel really excited about Brexit. I spent two days feeling absolutely anxious, like really... And then I decided not to. And now I'm like, actually, this is this could be incredible in terms of just the, the outrage that people have, which has been really annoying on social media, to be fair. But actually, it's really pushing some discussions. When people are fired up and angry, they make stuff happen. So I'm actually really interested. So I, I, I feel like it could be a catalyst for amazing change, and we could drive that. I think that's an interesting point as well, because I did vote leave and I did kind of, um, I mean, vote leave, I voted remain. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, we beat you up. Um, but it's so interesting because I was speaking to a friend of mine in the States and she said to me, she wants Trump to win. And the reason why she said to me she wants Trump to win kind of in some sort of a way points to what you're saying, because she said, at times where we're faced with our situation, it forces us to act. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't it does it, it allows us or forces us not to be so passive mm -hmm. um, in how we move and so I think that's um, not I don't want to uh, tie the idea of Trump becoming mm. president with Brexit okay. but 
I think it's quite interesting that when you're faced with some, yeah. something, you're forced to move. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the interesting thing is, um, if I've, I've, I'm that annoying person on social media, by the way. <laughs> but like, if I'm forced to like think about how we can take this and we can put it into something that is, you know, progressive and something that does force us to answer questions that have been underlying because yeah. everything that's come out of what has happened it's not been as a result of Brexit. These are things that have been lying dormant. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. you know, have been a, have, yeah, they've been conversations at the kitchen table. They just haven't been in the boardroom. Mm -hmm. They just yeah. haven't been in open spaces. So I think we're at a very interesting time, like literally the term, oh, what a time to be alive. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, I think it's, it's very It's perfect very time. Because you yeah. think 100 years ago, Trump or Brexit could happen and you would have absolutely no control. You're in a small community, you've got nothing. Now, Trump could become president, but everybody has got access to the internet. We can start revolutions. We can change stuff. So actually, we haven't. There's all this thing about they're in power and they're controlling what we're doing. But actually, there, there's a massive power shift going on with the internet. Oh, I wish I media. wish that I could get to the. A girl, a girl that used to work for me in my previous job, um, who was born in London and has lived here her whole life and happens to wear a headscarf, got egged at the bus stop yesterday. Oh, in Bethnal Green, oh, in Bethnal Green. And I, it makes me, it gives me, it gives me chills just to think about it now. You know, I nearly burst into tears thinking about it last night. A lot of people say, well, if we hadn't had Bush's second term, we would have never had Obama, who I think has been a fantastic president. And that's probably true. Was it worth it to all the people that died as a result of the Iraq War, if Trump gets elected and he says, guess what, America, no more gun-free zones in schools or libraries or other places you're not allowed to bring guns. Yeah, we can get really pissed off on social media, but that's not going to stop yeah. anybody from being yeah. able to walk in mm -hmm. and shoot somebody's yeah. child or mother or brother or sister. Yeah. So um, I, it's, it's these unintended consequences that are bothering yeah. me the most about this and what it says for the country that I've immigrated to and has chosen to take my home where I'm raising my children and what kind of world they're going to be brought up in. Um, and so I'm not, I'm not quite there. I see the potential. Maybe this will all turn out to be okay. But right now, I see things like that about Rubina, who used to work with me, and that just mm. breaks my heart. I feel like we have created a climate where all of a sudden people feel like it's okay mm. to behave in a way that maybe they thought they felt yeah. that way. Yeah. But there's a difference between thinking it and saying it and acting I think it, it becomes an excuse. I think I, it's a really good point you make, obviously, about you know Trump. If you put the gun laws in, something like that is absolutely catastrophic. I think your poor <coughs> friend has been egged. Actually, what happens is you just get stupid people who think it's an excuse for bad behaviour. Mm -hmm. It was like when those riots all kicked off and then everybody started yeah, rioting yeah. and it became an yeah. it became an excuse. I don't know how you stop that. But yeah, the girl, you're, you're right, someone's in power and they're putting in those sort of things. The thing that I would say that where I'm getting to the, the optimist side of things, I went to uni in Lancaster um, and I worked in the pub, in a pub on the skirt of estate and you know I used to pull cask pints and the guys on the other side of the bar used to be like, oh, I love me a blackened. And I was never offended by it. I actually, I was never offended by it because it wasn't, it's the intent of what they, in the way they were saying it, it was not racist. It was, they had never, they had never walked into their pub and seen a black girl behind the bar pouring a car, fine. Um, and you know, the opening line was always, I love me a bit of Bob Marley and there'd be a bit of Marley. <laughs> but it was some of the best times of my life um, working in that pub with cigarette smoke everywhere. Um, but what it made me realize is there's, 
and this is what I think the government fails to realise, there's a whole, more, there are more people outside of London that yeah. do not live in our bubble, that mm-hmm. have not mm-hmm. prospered and mm-hmm. have not mm-hmm. benefited from what we experience daily. They don't have the option of eating lots of food from different cultures and galleries and music and seeing difference all the time. They feel like they have been forgotten and left behind. And I think there are pockets of London where this also happens. And any difference, any bit of newness is is headline news. So two Polish people moving into town, it's like, oh, the yeah. roads change. Three, mm. four. So I, from an inequality place, I feel like this was their opportunity to say, don't forget about us. In the same way the riots were a point where younger people said, don't forget we're still here. This was the older generation and, and, and people that have been marginalised and are poorer, I call them the scratch card sort of lost age generation, that are poorer, to say, we are still here and you have forgotten us. Your shiny banks and that whole London mindset, that doesn't happen here and we feel like our lives have been taken over, rightly or wrongly. But what I hope will come out of this is that that inequality gap, that the rich are getting richer and the poor just don't even come into the equation because they're all like the people on the TV show, what's the benefit, benefit, whatever, whatever. Um, yeah. That starts to, to, that gap starts to close. And actually we think about the UK and all populations as a whole, because we all matter. We all do well if everyone in every pocket of society does well, not just people in London. Yeah, but isn't some of that about, are you making an excuse for people being ignorant? Because I don't see the people in Spain with all our, you know, all our, like, parents going over there and moving in the street. They don't kind of go, oh, okay, we leave, like, English people down our road. They do, they just say in Spanish. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they do. Yeah, they hate the fact that we're taking over the costas and, you know. But I, th- I think one of the things that makes me saddest is that those problems, the lack of social mobility, the huge polarizing inequality, are huge problems, and a lot of them are domestic problems, and they have nothing to do with the EU, and they have nothing to do with people that have immigrated from the EU at all. And I would love if this eventually sparked a discussion. If you look at social mobility numbers in this country, and the U.S. has a lot of its own problems, but they're abysmal, abysmal. The chances that you will die on a council estate if you were born on a council estate, it's almost impossible to get out of that. So that is a huge problem. And The Guardian is talking about that. The Guardian always talks about that. But where, where are all the lead campaigners talking about that? The Guardian's that? part of the problem. And, you know, I, I'm part of the problem. Like, the media has, has legitimized Nigel Farage by mocking mm. him and turning him into the underdog. And the people Trump. who feel that they are the underdog But I don't, I don't blame them. I'm saying if you care about systemic change for, for people who are, that see this as a problem, for the people who voted leave because they don't feel like globalization has included them, I don't see yet how this is going to help them. I see the economy tanking and that eventually trickling down to less money for the NHS, to less money for schools, to, I mean, all, all of the things that are huge problems still being huge problems or potentially bigger problems and we still haven't addressed what a lot of the root causes are. So I would like to see more people talking about that. That would be something I could be optimistic about and get excited about. I, I totally agree. I think for me, I mean, 
as I said, I voted Remain and I was livid, obviously, when the results ended up being what they were. But after taking a few days even just to think about things a bit, I started to think, you know what, there are a group of people here in this country who legitimately feel left behind, who mm -hmm. legitimately feel like they have no voice. And for them, this referendum was a form of, uh, of um, you know, it was them, them standing up and saying, look, we are here, notice us. Where I think the problem was is that they were bamboozled. Mm -hmm. And they were bamboozled by the, the political and media, or the propaganda that was coming out of it, which points to what you're saying, where that they assumed, based on what they had read and what, what's been coming out, that we will then get what we understand our idea of this country back mm -hmm. if we leave the EU. Mm -hmm. And that's where the problem is. Mm -hmm. Because what's going to happen is in due course people begin to see i mean there was for example there was a small town in wales that voted leave a lot of the regeneration in this town comes from the eu they have 150 <coughs> into that small town that town's not going to receive that anymore you understand and that for me that for me is a problem you know the fact that people do feel that at the same token i, I definitely feel that we as a country need to we need to use this and address some issues that have been underlined yeah. and face that because there are members of the society who have had to face that conversation the difference is now we have to face it together yeah. and i feel that's why it's almost become you know a, a, an issue i would say on brexit controversial or not i would say on brexit i feel that amongst all the conversation that has happened I don't think everyone who voted Brexit is racist. <coughs> I don't think everyone who voted Brexit is um, xenophobic. xenophobic. But what I would say is everybody who is racist <coughs> and everyone who is xenophobic voted racist. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I want to kind of... I think that goes back to my point about the guys in the club. They are not racist. They yeah. still probably... Well, I think it's going to be bad. Like, it's not going to be that bad. I think. Well, we're moving towards a more positive. Yeah, I'm I'd like markets are up a bit today. Pam was up a bit today. Like, I think we're going to get through it. I think it's going to be like all the kind of apocalyptic predictions. Can I ask a question? Have you covered your news story? No, not yet. I'll get to. Can I ask a question? Do we. I'm getting a bit deeper into Brexit talk. But do we actually <laughs> think funny. we're um, legitimately going to leave? I don't know, I may be ignorantly yeah. hopeful. Yeah, I think you have to. <laughs> really? The people have spoken, you can't not. Because, the only reason I understand, but at the same time, we don't elect our Prime Minister. What do you mean? In the sense of, we, it's the party mm -hmm. that decides who the Prime Minister is going to be. Well, and the members. Of course, but at the same time, for me, it's a thing of, there's people who are there are elected people sitting in parliament, mm -hmm. right? Or there are people in the House of Lords, they're not elected by mm -hmm. me myself. When we have a vote, yes, we know that this vote, whether or not we like the outcome of this vote, is going to last for four or five years. Mm -hmm. The difference is this is a permanent decision. And I think that's where people tend to have <laughs> take more of an issue with rather than I think there will be riots else. if we do it. Yeah, I think the Conservative Party wanted to win, even with everything that's Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Going on in the Labour Party, the Conservative Party want to win, and they are given everything that they've done. I think, has Cameron have come out and said something slightly different? Have you come out and said... We've heard, we've, heard, we've heard you. This was uh, your opportunity to say what you think. We need to consider this as a parliament and make a decision based on your recommendation. We would have been in a completely different place. But based on him saying, right, okay, he just said the, I'm well, out, yeah. see you later. <laughs> Everyone that went into it has been in a panic. So the, the person who comes in next, because ultimately the Conservative Party will be in power to see this, this thing through will have to deliver that mandate in order to, they'll have to pull the general election pretty quickly in order to win and be credible, they'll go through this mandate. That's my my feeling. So who knows what can happen in the world of politics? I hope that there's a, a rebel group that form their own party. Well, yeah. party. No, so, so people coming from the, the, the centre left and people coming from the centre, you know, centre right on both sides and form a new party to say, fuck this shit. We've heard, we, we've heard what's going on. Um, we are not the political elite. We are normal people with normal jobs. We're not psychopaths. And here are testicles to prove it. <laughs> um, like the conversation we had outside, you know, let's get Beyonce as our leader. When we call this generation. I may be ignorantly hopeful, but I just honestly, I think that it will end up being Johnson being the leader. And I also think that he does not have the guts to push to go on Article 15. Mm-hmm. Personally, that's just me. But that's you heard it here first. You put some bets on that. Think, once, think, once, the dust, yeah. I think once the dust is settled, all things considered, I don't think that man has the guts to push to go on Article 15. Because, yeah, we're having this discussion, but as it stands, politically and legally, we have not left. Yeah. Do you understand yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not until Article 15 is pushed have we actually made that step in the other direction so who's going to have the the onus of pushing article 15 mm-hmm. who's going to have the guts to do that because for me it's political suicide either way oh, yeah. mm-hmm. so let's see what happens and On that's that my note, thought mm-hmm. give us so, your news story 
My news story is not so much a news story, it's more so an event. Um, I was watching last week, I really enjoyed the National State of Women um, that took place um, in the United States where they uh, collected leading women in America of all ages to come together at the White House and to have a conversation um, about where they're going, as a, where America's going as a country in terms of um, women's rights and equality within society. I what I found quite interesting um, was the concept of how important it is from quite an early age um, to push the idea of confidence um, and al almost like legitimate, leg if I can say it, legitimize that idea by almost like putting it into schools or putting it into some sort of curriculum. Um, and I've always been an advocate for the idea of Beyond like a general study, like um, it's almost like a, a it's almost like if we could have like a social awareness of the course. Mm -hmm. um, I've always pushed for something like that um, for us to have because I feel like students end up leaving school and they know everything about Pythagoras' theorem, but they don't know how. If I wanted to open a bank or a mortgage mm -hmm. or what have you, how would I go about doing those tasks? Um, and I thought it could be cool to ask the question here: How? Is that something that you all would think that we should have here in the UK? And like, how far do you think that having something like that would advance the conversation in the next 30 years for our daughters? Personally, I, you know, given at the moment most kids study up to eight GCSEs, I would make half of our curriculum timetable completely socially or vocationally related. So it would be focusing on creativity, it would focus on what you're interested in, purpose, it would focus on um, citizenship, yeah. so be, what it means to be a person in this world, which means you would study elements of geography, and you'd study elements of philosophy, and you'd study elements of theology, and to understand your place in the world, and the history that's come before, but also the future, so it, it contains science, and, and, and um, conversations around data and technology. But doing it in a way that gives young people an insight into the fact that they're one of how many billion, how many billion people on the planet? Is it nine? Seven. Between seven and nine. Someone Google it. Eight. Eight. Yes, we'll get past two minutes. You know, one of between seven and nine billion people is is meaningful. It's powerful. And then when you look out to the stars, there's a whole universe and solar system, and we've taught this. We're taught about the, the solar system of the universe in such an abstract 2D way that it's so powerful. So I would do that, and then I think there are functional literacy, numeracy things that you need just to get by in day-to-day -day life. But do I think the curriculum as it is works? Interesting. I, I want to add to that also, kind of pointing back to where we're, what we're discussing politically. I think that giving, instilling from a very young age a sense of um, being a part of something leads to us not being in a situation 30 years down the line where we are here where people don't feel like they have a voice. Women would thrive, our girls I think would thrive in that kind Absolutely. of education system. At the moment it's very much, it's right or wrong, it's yes or no. Um, I would like someone to do some research but I think girls are told no or be quiet or stop a lot more in the education system than, than boys and that then you know, parallels all the way through your, your career. So as a woman, if you stand up in a meeting and say, actually, everyone in here is wrong, 
you're told you're bossy or you're rude or you're aggressive or intimidating, all of this stuff is absolute crap. Because actually a man would say the same thing and usually does then say the same thing after you've just said it, but it's perceived <laughs> in a different way. There's a New York um, study that was done, psychological study that was done, and I read about it. No, I read it in Lean In. Um, um, and basically what they did was they gave um, students, um, uh, I guess, kind of like just like character points mm -hmm. about two different people. Yeah. Have you seen Yeah, them? one was, you know, one was, they told them one was a man and they mm -hmm. told them one was a woman. Mm -hmm. And they said, who is more, you know, who's a leader? Mm -hmm. um, and everyone kind of ended up saying, oh, the woman was too bossy, whereas right. the man was, you know, he was a real leader. So it's interesting mm -hmm. how basically, I mean, it points back to basically what you're saying. Yeah, so I was really, I was lucky enough to go to an all-girls school and a lot of people are like, oh, all-girls schools, they're so bitchy. Yeah, they were. But <laughs> I loved my school and I was so lucky to go there. And my sister went to the same school and is um, doing her PhD at the moment in climate science, but she did her degree in physics. And when she first got there, she went to St Andrews, like had her woolly stuff on because it's cold. Um, and she she walked into a room, got talking to this guy, and he was like, so what, what degree are you doing? She said, I'm doing physics. And he went, what, a girl doing physics? And she was like, she literally was like, so what? What? What are you on about? And he was like, girls don't do physics. And she was like, what? Yeah, they do. Because she'd been to an all-girls school, and there was some people did physics, and like, the nerdy ones who didn't do physics. But, you know, there were nerds and they were girls and they were doing physics. And, you know, I think for me, it was a real privilege to be in a place where everybody did everything and nobody kind of frowned on that. So, you know, if you're talking about having a certain element of the curriculum that teaches you how to be a woman, I think having female-only classes I mean, obviously it probably only works for some people, but for me, like, I'm way gobbier than I would have been. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm happy to sit and talk in front of people, I will speak up in front of my bosses, and it's because I got to, I, I sat in classrooms and got to do that, and who in here, so if, you know, sisters or godchildren or daughters would advocate having single-sex lessons or send your daughter to a, a single sex school to build her leadership potential. Not for her leadership. Why? So why? I've got some notes. Why? Why? Why would you advocate for the single sex? What would it? What would it be for? Because it, it's it's not realistic to send my daughter to a single sex school to build leadership skills, not being equipped to 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 do that against men. So for me for my daughter to be equipped to go against men because she will have to as a young woman and as a young black woman at that she needs to be equipped and she's not mm -hmm. going to gain that equipment going against other women she's going to gain that going against men what they actually need to do in schools is do gender awareness so i've seen with my niece and nephew how differently you know they're both under the age of five and how differently he interacts he will talk my niece is older he will talk over her and my sister is having to educate my sister and my niece on how to deal with him and how to manage him and vice versa and she highlights that and that is that's not a nurture because my sister's being really on the money in terms of gender neutral that that is just nature yeah. but also the biggest thing that i've learned as an adult and you know this is what's not reflected in things like politics as well is emotional intelligence yeah. look at that 
political room, the discussions mm. they have where they're shouting and they're yeah. bickering yeah. and it's egos and it's yeah. anger. Yeah. It's like actually emotional intelligence because when you, when you master yourself and you understand yeah. your psychology, you can handle any situation. And this is why exactly you're tag on to your last point. This is why I do think it's important for women, I, I, for you know, young girls to have a safe space in mm. that sense. Because for me, I'm looking at it more like a story, right? So it's not that it's not the idea that um, we need to put women, you know, we should, you know, avoid safe, you know, single sex, and put women in a space where they are with men. I think it's more so get the foundation right help these girls understand who they are and the boys and the boys yeah exactly. who they are because and who, who girls are, are. Yeah. exactly and then once that conversation is solid and set let's now introduce almost yeah. e you know each other and so when you're at that when you're at in that space then i feel like because everyone has a clear sense of who they are it kind of then allows emotional intelligence to kind of be brought out mm -hmm. as well so th for me that's more and this is why it points back to the whole idea of if you start it early because kids are so fucking brilliant. Yeah. If you start it early, it becomes... Because we are so on the back foot. We've had years and years of a world created by men, you know, kind of for men, and we're constantly trying to fit in. And that's why you constantly get people going, you've got to be more confident. Like, you know, we're battling yeah. always. And it's going to take a long while. So I think right now we have to do the confidence and we have to do yeah. all that stuff. But you're right, there needs to actually be something that's now going in at a young foundational so that these people grow up as young adults they have the awareness of gender they have the awareness of themselves to 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 really shift things and i think that one of the things you were saying earlier about sweden leading the way when it comes to legislation they're doing exactly the same thing in this space so has anyone read um we should all be feminists or seen the ted talk so that's being handed out to every single 16 year old in the whole of sweden at the moment as part of their curriculum not only that but they're doing the contextual yeah. learning that we talked about so rather than learning based on curriculum subjects they're actually being taught based on a context. So for example, an entire year or a term, they'll learn about um, how do we build a fairground? And in doing that, they'll have to find a space and the geography for the fairground. They'll have to think about the marketing for it. What things and rides do they buy? How do they sell tickets? How do they market it? All of these different types of things. So again, that's contextual learning. Yeah. And they're doing it on a collaborative basis. So everyone is learning emotional intelligence, how to interact with one another, body language, all of that kind of stuff. So we could really look no further than those kind of examples. Um, and then also looking at the fact that when it comes to later on gender equality legislation in that country, it's having a filter effect, it's getting much better. Um, and I think that's, that's probably one of the best ways we can do it. And it is happening, there are some schools in London that are doing contextual learning. Um, and I think that's, that's where we should be moving forward. So ladies, I'm going to move us on. So we're going to move out of the, the news topics into the, the meat and potatoes bit of discussion. So Alicia, you don't get to discuss your ones. Okay. We're going to fly through, you can reference it. Um, so given everything that we said just now, I feel like we should be our own party. We'll happily <laughs> invite men. So George, Lee, Dylan, bring <laughs> out the numbers this uh, And anyone else? Um, and I have a, I had a thought. So one of my optimist pieces coming out of Brexit was, could we wake up one day and the world is run by women? So I will give you my rundown of what it could be. So because of what's happened in the UK, the US might be slightly scared and vote in Hillary, as they probably should do. So we can have Hillary as uh, the president. We have Nicola Sturgeon in Scotland. We've got Merkel in Germany. And I think even with what's going on, she'll probably be voted in at the next election. We have Theresa May in the UK. We then have Leanne Woods, who um, is the 
the side cameras. We've got, so depending on what happens in France, there is a far right party, but it's, it's, it's led by a woman, Marianne Le Pen. Um, we have, uh, just mean, you're like, no, Polly, no, 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 I'm just, I'm just, I'm going, I would definitely prefer a man in that kind of situation, personally. I'm, I'm going to the kind of world of, yeah. Yeah, if we had a world run by women, it's, it's possible, it's actually possible right now. Um, and then you've got Christine Lagarde at the IMF. So we could wake up one day and women rule the world. I'm sure there are some other contexts. How would you feel about that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that one would be depressing. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about Theresa May, but I think so. Not them as characters, but waking up and the <coughs> leaders of some of the largest economies in the world, well, you know, in the top five economies in the world, being women. Yeah, she's getting huge. But and equally, we could have call them just. Um, a woman being president, or speaking about a woman, and 
And the girls were like, yeah, dad said. And the boys were like, no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think a woman could be president. You're talking six-year-olds. There's no filter there, okay? <laughs> I don't think a woman could be president. Women, they just, you know, women can't really be in charge. And, um, you know, women, women sometimes, they, like, cry a lot. And <laughs> one of the boys said that. She, I think that you couldn't have a woman. She would cry all the time. And, um, and then Hillary Clinton walked into the room. <laughs> it's really cool. You should YouTube it. I think it was with um, Jimmy Kimmel. And... There, she's saying, you know, I'm running for president, and and I think it, you know, it would be amazing. I, and the boys were like, oh, okay, being able to put a face there matters so 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 much. And and I agree with you. I would wear that squad shirt with pride, even if I didn't agree with their politics, because I think what that does for the next generation of young women who won't have the same problems that we have, will have different problems and hopefully not worse problems, but. You know, that is what I would just like there to be no, of course I could be president, or I could be a physicist, or I could be a mom, or I could be mm. really whatever I want to be, because there's no limit on being that. Mm. And and I do think it would make a difference. Maureen Le Pen accepted. Anywhere near a ruling power. There's that story about Hillary Clinton when she was, what, six or seven years old, that she wrote to NASA. And she said, you know, dear NASA, when I grow up, I want to be an astronaut. And she actually got a letter back from them, and she, they said, thank you very much for your letter, but women aren't allowed to be astronauts. Mm. And then she went and became Secretary of State. <laughs> and hopefully <laughs> President. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and I think also, I think the thing is, like, women are, like, viewed as a monolith, like, whatever, whether we want to accept it or not. And I think this, I think with having different types of women in power, it's, it's beyond me and whether I like them or I agree with their politics. I think what it does to have women on such a huge platform shows the world dynamic women mm. understand and so it, it allows it kind of start it helps us to kind of step away or helps the younger ones to kind of like step away from the idea that that of what a woman should be mm. you understand what i mean so you can be a factor you can be you know you can be whatever you want to be that doesn't need to be relegated to your literally your genitalia like that's what i mean like you can you literally can be and lead however you want so i think i think what it shows visually and what it says is so so important. Do you think women take on those issues though in the same way as men? Do you think women are, I think you know women are dialed up much more about collaboration about utopia, do you think they drive the big issues the way that men do? Well are they more activist, are women activists as much as men are?
how many women in this room feel like they have been an activist or a campaigner at any point in their life? Really everyone. Okay. And how many of you feel like the work that you did actually created change? I'm not an activist. Well, I wouldn't describe it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's really mm-hmm. So I think, because when we think about activism or, or making things happen or, or, or change, one of the reasons it came up as a question is, do we then put female faces next to that? And given the context of the world and where we're going at the moment, the people leading the change or revolution, unless it's a specifically female-focused issue, they tend to be men. I don't agree. Okay. I'll tell you why I don't agree. I think the I think the face of the movement tends okay. to be men, but the the women are the people who are basically engineering. Mm-hmm. engineering. And, and I I want to point back because the one I can specifically look at is the civil rights movement in America. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the leaders of the civil rights movement were men, but it was the women who were engineering the change. It was the women who were organizing. It was the women who were cooking. It was the women who were making sure <coughs> they had what they needed to do what they had to do. So I think there's a danger in attributing um, activism just to men because it's just what we see, where I think beyond just a singular individual who's the face of whichever thing, ego that's leading the charge, there are a group of people, and those groups of people tend to involve. But I do think men, there is this whole thing about like mansplaining. I do think that like as a woman, you are not listened to. If you've got to influence and change people in power who are predominantly you know, privileged white men, I don't think they will listen to you as a woman. I love the person that invented the word mansplaining. Because <laughs> it means that when my husband mansplains me, I can be like, no. <laughs> but that comes from a culture of, you know, we don't respect women and what they're saying, and we're not necessarily going to listen to them, and maybe they don't know because we know. I mean, I get it. I'm a, I, for example, like in my industry, I've, I'm a filmmaker, I'm a director. It tends not to be that women are directors. It tends to be they may be the producers or the unit production managers or the production managers. So it's very, in, I tend to have this conversation with, or it tends to come up in conversation with or see a lot. Um, and I, I think what I've done is a good job of calling people out. But calling people out, not like in a derogatory, t- in derogatory way, I've do a good job of like helping people understand why this isn't right mm. or why I'm not going to stand for it and if mm. you do want to behave like that you can leave my set like mm. that's not what we do here um, and so I think it's annoying because sometimes I feel that as an individual it's not my role as I hate to use this term but it's it's the one that comes to mind as the oppressed person to educate this person who's doing the oppressing like mm. it shouldn't be my role to do that like um, but at the same time, I do definitely feel like, in terms of the conversation of it, it helps. Mm-hmm. And I would hope that people don't have, wouldn't tack on like some level of nervousness to anything because they feel they can't ask the question, and then we end up just being stuck in the same kind of cyclical cycle. Like I would like, to, I, you know, I try and make an effort. Of saying, you know what, dude, that ain't right, and this is why <laughs> it's not right. Maybe if you know, so I think there's something in that. So I'm not a fan of political correctness because I think as soon as you become overly politically correct, you don't understand what people think or feel, and therefore you can't have a conversation about why they think or feel that thing mm. to then move past it or move forward or, or, or have a, a debate and a discussion. Like, I'm gonna 
bringing through our closing question because we, we've, we've hit the hour. Uh, so a short, sharp, snappy uh, response to this. How do we reimagine politics for the benefit of women? And it's politics big and small. No, constantly laugh. Don't look at me. Um, yeah. They're controversial. I'm a huge fan of yeah, quotas. Yeah, I think they have worked yeah. every single time they've been put into place. You want to make change happen faster, so you do. Yeah. I agree with that, um, only because at the moment we think we're progressive in a way with women. Only 29% um, of the MPs in power at the moment are female, which is it's actually a historically large number for us, but we are on a par with Afghanistan. Uh, and for example, Rwanda has 63% females, so we're, we're doing pretty bloody badly. We're um, one of the lowest in terms of all the different countries in the world in terms of female representation, which for a westernized country is awful. And actually that's one of the things that the Women's Equality Party are pushing at the moment, which focus to the UK. And by the year 2025, they want to try and see 50-50 split. So if you can get behind them, then definitely do, because that's a massive way forward. I'd like to see women's issues not a special topic for consideration, but it's just as part of whatever's being done, that policy, that diversity is looked at as as part of that. Make you feel powerful today or yesterday or, or last week. 
Um, em, you can go first. Oh, no, I haven't got my unicorn ring this week, so it's got to be something different. I think it's definitely my shoes. I had to wear heels today. I had an important meeting today, but they had to be heels that I could walk in and not, you know, if you get them too high and they're uncomfortable. So appropriate heeled shoes will be my pair of accessories. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I don't really have anything tangible that I would wear or hold or anything like that. I think my my power accessory is, is my support network. Um, and I think it's been incredibly strong over the last year or so. So um, we spent last week in Santorini together. Um, and there were eight of us. We didn't really know each other very well. We got a massive villa together. We didn't know each other at all. <laughs> <laughs> we actually met in Santorini. Um, no, we met on the plane. We met on the plane. And then we met the Prosecco. And then, we, um, <laughs> then the Prosecco went away because we drank the same dry. Literally. Um, and I think that's been a massive thing for me, just kind of having a, a support network around me that I know that I can kind of dip in and dip out of. Um, and actually the inaugural clock trip, which is what um, Emma manages, was, was the first experience of that, which has been was awesome. So yeah, that's my power accessory, I guess. I think about this on the way over. And my answer is crayons. I always have crayons in my purse because I have four-year-old twins, so I go nowhere without crayons. <laughs> and oftentimes I'll be in a meeting or a networking <coughs> thing, and I'll reach into my bag to like, pull out my business cards, and I'll pull out like, a handful of crayons. Um, but it reminds me of what's important. I think being a mother makes me feel very powerful. Powerful over my children, for sure. Um, but, you know, there, there's more to life than whatever it is I'm doing at that moment. And so um, I always constantly am pulling crayons on my purse. I think that's my power expression. Very nice. Sunglasses. I don't, you know, you don't have to wear makeup when you're wearing sunglasses. You can be as tired as you want. <laughs> I'd say my power accessory is my confidence. I think if I, I think being confident, and I really do believe in like fake it till you make it in terms of confidence as well, it goes a long way. When I say confidence, it doesn't necessarily mean that like I'm the most confident person all the time, but what I am saying is like moving forward with a sense of confidence kind of just allows you to be comfortable and allows you to feel like you're in charge of any situation. And then that other part of pressure is like, oh no. So I will close with, so last time I was talking about uh, a necklace that I wear, and I'm wearing it today. And it's made by Ms. Rachel Jackson, who's sitting here in the front row. Uh, and so this is my, my daily power accessory. But so I have a new one as well. Uh, the phone charger cable. Because I'm not a very good flirt. And today there was a really hot guy in the bar. And like, my phone was dead and I had to charge it. And I spoke to him, but I flirted my way through the whole thing. Because I needed his phone charger. He was charging his phone. And I realised, a bit like having a, a dog or something, when you sit back <laughs>
next month next month is uh, business like hardcore business stuff so so join us again but thank you you've been amazing Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.